Now I'm recording. Now I'm recording there. So I guess we'll start with just syncing everything up. That'll sync up the audio and whatnot. Um, and yes, yeah, so, uh, God, where do we start now? We've done this so many times. You guys are just picking <laughs> up with us now, which you probably are. We've tried to do this three times already, or this is our third time trying to get this uh, recording going. And I am officially recording now. I should probably leave that out so I can see that I'm actually recording. Um, and my name is Aaron Belford. I am a commercial photographer, and currently I am the creative director for Bike Man Performance. Um, and I'm here with Ravenfire, a close personal friend of mine, my makeup artist on so many shoots, my buddy in arms in the Marine Corps, my uh, partner in crime and several different adventures out through California and stuff like that. And yeah, we've known each other for about 13 years now. Uh, yeah, 13 years. And I'm going to talk a lot through this, so you can feel free to interrupt me. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> I will interrupt you. <laughs> um, Hopefully we won't talk over each other too much. Right, 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 right. But yeah, basically, um, this whole podcast is going to cover uh, the creative industry, whether it be photography, videography, um, anything like that. I have not landed, as of the recording right now, what I'm going to call it. We have been... Um, banding around some ideas, and I think uh, AB Positive is the one that I, I kind of like the most. I still wanted to call it the Raw Files because photographers work with Raw Files. And as a creative director, when I hire photographers, I want to get the Raw Files from them. I don't want to have finished JPEGs because of my uh, photography background. I want to be able to play with those Raw Files and whatnot. And it's kind of like, you know, you don't want to get someone that has half their makeup done and then try to fix that. Right, right, right. Yeah. Post-editing. Yep. So anyways, let's... First, we'll go back to how we met. This was back in 2007. 2007. And I was a Marine in the Marine Corps. Uh, Raven had just gotten out not too uh, far... Well, I guess 2001 you got out, so yep. almost a decade before me. But he was living down in Palm Springs, and I was stationed up in 29 Palms. I think it was only like five years. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, I, I needed a makeup artist for these shoots I was doing because while I was in the Marine Corps, I was doing stock photography on the side to earn extra money and then also working with, like, Marine Corps um, families and stuff like that to give them photos and whatnot. And I'm, I'm like, ah, I don't have anyone to do makeup and having the models do their own makeup. I'm like, ah, I don't really want to get into that. But uh, we were both on Model Mayhem. Mm -hmm. Good old Model Mayhem. Good old Model Mayhem. I play, is that still relevant? I, I don't. I think it's still out there. Someone bought it at some point in time, but it got really skeezy, didn't it? It did. <laughs> I mean, I never personally experienced anything crazy. If you guys don't know what Model Mayhem is, it is a site where models, photographers, makeup artists, creative directors, all the people in the creative industry that has stuff to do with modeling and photo shoots would get together and network. It was kind of like Facebook for the creatives. And um, it turned into being a really, really kind of skanky place where it was just a whole bunch of nude photographers. No, photographers were clothed, but a whole bunch of nude models and photographers trying to hook up with them and stuff like that. Because I had heard so many just creepy stories about it. But in its, very, in its infancy, back in 2007, when we were on it, it was respectable. <laughs> and uh, I was sure. looking around for a makeup artist and I found Raven here. And he was down in Palm Springs and we ended up getting together... For a photo shoot up in Joshua Tree mm -hmm. with a model named Stephanie. Mm -hmm. And I mean... And our assistants. And Tom our and assistants. <laughs> our partners, too. Well, mine's my... 
Ashley's my wife, and Tom's your was your partner at that Tom time. Tom was my partner, mm-hmm. and yeah, it was it was a fun shoot. But what, what did you think like when I first approached you on that one? Like on Model Mayhem, or yeah. um, well, my first thought was like, holy shit, someone actually believes I'm a really good makeup artist. Because <laughs> <laughs> at this time, like I had, I didn't. I mean, I was experimenting with makeup, but I didn't actually. I mean, you know, I was, like, trying to, doing that age-old adage, fake it till you make it. Yeah. And, you know, all, a lot of the photos were just snapshots from work. Yeah, and I, so, was, I was just starting to do, um, like, I'd always done lifestyle work, but I'd never done any stock work. So I had to, to develop a new style for stock, because before then, I was a, a second shooter, a first shooter, uh, before I joined the Marine Corps and whatnot. And while I was in the Marine Corps, I was shooting stuff um, in training and combat and stuff like that. And it was kind of like I, I needed a break from that. So it was both of us kind of starting a new venture. Right, right. You know, like with our backgrounds, you know, obviously like being Marines and me being a food service specialist. Um, in the Marine Corps. A chow hall cook. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> we went through this one before because <laughs> we kept trying to get this thing recorded right. But yes, he was a food service specialist. Yep. One of my favorite peoples because overseas they get you all the good stuff. They do. And it's like you have to be like best friends with the cooks yeah, you want to like get the good stuff. You want to make friends with the, the supply clerks, clerks. You want to make friends with the food service specialist. And you want to make friends with the corpsman so that you got the good band-aids you got the good food, and you got the good supplies whenever they came in. Mm-hmm, I remember mm-hmm. we had a, uh, a, 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 what was it, a case of Oakleys that fell off the truck. We're supposed to go to the uh, FAST team, or the QRF force, which is a quick, quick reaction force, and they kind of got diverted over to the air wings. So our, our whole wing had Oakley 5s that we got to wear. <laughs> if you were friends with the, uh, the, the admin or the supply guys. Right. Yeah. Yep. But anyways, I digress. Um, yeah, we had an interesting background. Mm -hmm. And then I think that's kind of like where our similarity ended was that whole thing. Cause I chose the route of like doing makeup. Um, and back to like when you first messaged me, the first thought was like, holy shit, someone actually thinks I'm good. And then two, I was like, I don't know if I could do this. Yeah. Only because like. You know, back in those days, like, if you were a makeup artist and already employed by, like, a cosmetic company, you were, like, I was told that I wasn't good enough to be on the team. Well, that's kind of how we all start out, you know? You're not really good enough. You always run into those people that will put you down as far as that goes. Because I know, for me, everyone had a personal style, and they didn't want to tell anyone, like, how that style worked. They had a uh, like like the tips and and tricks of the the trade that they didn't want to give up because we were all competition to them. Yeah. So it's, we we kind of came up in the same, a little bit the same because I came up as a like I said an assistant, then a second shooter, then a first shooter, and then running my own shoots and stuff like that. Oh, sorry, gassy here. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, and and you started out. Like, what was your venture into this? Drag, actually. Um, yeah. After that that fateful night hanging out with my Marine buddies and, you know, seeing a drag show that we thought was a stripper show, I told myself, I was like, you know, hourly, I was like, 
oh my God, what did you guys bring me to? Because mind you, this is back in 2001. <laughs> yeah. And, but like inwardly, I was like, oh my God, I want to try that at least one time. Oh yeah. And then like one time turned into a whole like six year, you know, six year job basically. I yeah. just, I actually quit one of my full time jobs because I was working so much. But, um, you know, it was, you know, when, and then when I wanted to break into like actual like cosmetic, um, work, um, being told, Hey, you're not good enough or go out and get some experience. A lot of people I feel like would have been defeated by that. Yeah. Um, I actually use it as a, the fire underneath me. And when you reached out to me, I was like, Oh, well, this is awesome. Like I'm going to get some photos. It's going to be great. Then I can like show that I'm good enough. And who ever knew that it was going to turn into this? Right. Like 13, 13 years, years later. Work, <laughs> 13 years of work together and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And that's the interesting thing because, yeah, I keep running into that problem too um, where even nowadays I'll, I'll meet photographers and they don't want to tell you what they're doing or run into creators that, that, that don't want to give up their secret. And the sad thing is is when I look online and stuff like that, like the ones that are giving out all these tips and tricks and stuff like that, they're pretty much just regurgitating it from someone else they've seen. It's not mm -hmm. really theirs. Mm -hmm. But that's where, like, on this podcast, on this channel, whatever, you're going to see um, how I work and how other creatives work and stuff like that. Because my whole theory of it is, you know, like, like, like what Chase Jarvis says, it's a, a rising tide raises all boats. Mm -hmm. If you're good... You're going to be able to bring up the industry, and that forces everyone else to be better. Like, why should we be scared of something like that? Because really, in all honesty, it, if I'm losing out to someone else, then I'm not striving hard enough. Right. I need to keep pushing myself more and more, whether it be in my, like, my photography technique or whether it be in my business and how I get new jobs mm -hmm. or whether it be in how I work with others, you know, trying mm -hmm. to pull all that together. And that's one thing I've realized with... Uh, being a creative director now is it's way more than just photography. It's about the marketing aspects, about where it's going to go. It's about the logistical s supply chain, about getting these photo shoots set up or whatever the creative project is, getting it done. It goes way beyond just showing up to the shoot, shooting the photos, doing the makeup, mm -hmm. getting the end product out, and then being done with it. I mean, that is truly like, like grade school compared to uh, the, the rest of the whole, like, uh, process. Like, you still have high school, you still have college after that, uh, basically meaning that you still have to put this uh, media into play, um, you still have to market it, you still have to uh, get it to its intended purpose, which is, in our industry, in the commercial industry, is mm -hmm. getting people to either buy your product or... Um, influencing them in some way because this is basically a communication one i feel like it i mean that rings true for even makeup artists i feel yeah. that rings true for every creative endeavor in this world like you're always striving to sell something to someone yeah you know and you know makeup artists are selling their skills mm -hmm. uh they're selling a feeling they're selling you know their talent they're selling their skill um you know, just like you were saying with like commercial photography, like it's so much more involved than just showing up, shooting and being done with it. You know yeah. what I mean? So talking about your skill and everything like that, uh, what's your style, your creative style? Like what, how would you define yourself when you say in your makeup and stuff like that? Um, I'm a wide range of uh, creative style, but my 
most identifiable is not always beautiful, but still amazing. Um, and what that means is just that like makeup artistry for me is so much more than just artistry. It's a healing modality. It's, you know, something that can help people through like a lot of like tough times, stuff like that. So basically it's an emotion also. But no, your visual style, like if someone's going to see your work and they're like, oh yeah, that's definitely Raven's work. I think that's kind of like what I was just saying. <laughs> it's it's amazing, but it's not always beautiful. It's It just depends on like how I'm feeling or like, I mean, obviously if I'm getting paid to do. Are you guys seeing this look, out there? I don't think you're seeing it yet. Jimmy's style, this is what I'm trying to drive at. Jimmy's style is very, um, I wouldn't say over the top, but it's very glam, beautiful, whether it is drag queens or it's, uh, you know, women that he works on for fashion shoots or whatnot. It's over the top. It's bordering on theatrical because of the drag experience and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. He's going way too metaphysical in this one. I'm trying to get like the tertiary, the very, very. Okay. So let me. Okay, go back then. Okay, Reset. so <laughs> I'm all antsy. Um, no, so basically, I am theatrical. I am a very theatrical makeup artist. Um, glamorous beauty, but uh, editorial. I mean, I love all of it. Mm-hmm. I'm I, I can do natural makeup, but that's not my forte. Like my creative style is definitely over the top. It's a little more avant garde. Um, something that people are like totally like in awe or in awe of, or kind of like, ah, what's that? You know, doing prosthetic makeup. I also do prosthetic. Yep. Um, and, you know, yeah, I just love anything that's not, that goes above and beyond just your normal standard of yeah. beauty makeup. And like, so since we talk about his, let's talk about my style. My style is kind of a, uh, I call it the neurophotography method, and I'm not married to that name. That's just something that I've kind of it's, – it's a working title right now, and it's funny because it's been working for about mm, 10 years now. <laughs> but basically it's – I shoot – okay, so breaking it down, I try to give the most effective visual communication possible. And that sounds weird um, because you're like, well, you're, you're just shooting with a camera, so don't you just point and shoot? But it's not like that. I shoot the way the human eye sees. I compose the way the human body naturally ingests video, visual stimuli, and then I post-process it so it's new and novel to bypass the lizard brain, yet native to the neocortex the so that... Brain? The lizard brain is like, hold on, native to the neocortex so that it maintains like maximum processing. So lizard brain would be like um, that, that very, very primitive primordial brain. It's that little section that's right outside the brainstem. Like, if you guys could see this, uh, and some of you can on this uh, on a video that we're also shooting with this, with, I don't know if it's actually going to get published or not, but maybe it will. But if you look at it like your hand, you have your arm coming up to your hand would be like your um, brain stem. And then you have like the lizard brain, which is developed over millions and millions of years. It's your basic primordial fight or flight um, kind of responses. Then you have your midbrain on top of that, which... Um, deals with a lot of the um, like automated processes and everything like that. And then you have like your neocortex, which is on top of that, which is all your upper level thinking, your actual conscious cognitive thinking. Like, I like this. I don't like this. I'm going to do this. It's logical. It's what some people may say is like your left brain. 
you know? It all um, sounds very brainy. So the lizard brain is a very, very... It's kind of like the gateway to your brain. you got to bypass the lizard brain first because whenever you see stuff, you feel it in your body first before mm-hmm. you can actually even think or cognitively uh, figure out what's going on. And your lizard brain has to figure out whether I want to fight it, fuck it, or eat it. Ah. And if it's not one of those three... Is it something that needs to have further uh, computation or mental um, analy- analyzation? Mm-hmm. So if it's one of those, or if it needs further uh, analyzation, it gets sent up to the neocortex, and the neocortex tries to figure it out. But if the neocortex, if it's too foreign to it or too abstract and it takes too much time, the neocortex is like, I'm just not going to deal with this right now and shunts it off to the limbic system for automated processing. And basically, that is a really, really, really heavy way of saying that I'm shooting the way the body naturally takes in visual stimuli. So, when I say I shoot the way the human eye sees, mm-hmm. I like to shoot with a full-frame sensor, like on the 6D Mark II that we're shooting with here, or my 1DX, or anything that has a full-frame sensor to it, because the human eye naturally has um, about a 32-inch um, wide retina. And then um, I like to use a 50 millimeter lens if I can, or at least keep between the 24 to 70 millimeter unless I absolutely have to use something bigger than that because the eye is normally used to seeing things at a 50 millimeter lens because mm-hmm. it's, it's what we consider it's cone of visual acuity. But I'll go into that stuff later on a later podcast. Um, and then when I say that I try to compose the way the human body naturally ingests visual stimuli, that's basically saying that I try to keep the stuff that you're focused on mm-hmm. in focus. The stuff that's drawing your attention in focus, that has the sharpness, that has the, the, the enhanced contrast, the enhanced details, the enhanced saturation, and then everything outside of that is dehanced or um, desaturated or uh, reduced in contrast so that it draws your attention to what you want people to focus on. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like that, and beyond that, there's just so much more to my visual style, but what I usually shoot is action. I shoot, uh, like for Bikeman Creative, I shoot snowmobiles, UTVs, action, uh, because it's a power sports company, and we make performance products for um, snowmobiles and UTVs, and I have to drive home that visceral action, and that's where this neurophotography style really kind of comes into play, but... uh, I've been talking a lot on that one, um, but basically, if, if we're going to sum it up, um, I like shooting lifestyle, I shoot action, I shoot uh, everyday life, and I want it to look as real and as natural as possible. Or if I'm shooting something like we did last night, which you guys won't see because um, I shoot for a bunch of different brands that I don't put my name on because, because the brands require it. The brands want to have the my style of imagery, but they don't want to have um, not necessarily my name attached to it. They want it to be all their own, and I have such a strong brand that they don't want it to really detract from that. For sure. But yeah, so I mean, that's my 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 creative style. Your creative style. Where where do you draw that inspiration from? For your dramatic theatrical style and that's why we work so well together because i like action i like drama i like stuff like that in a still frame and jimmy does that in his or raven does that in his makeup um i mean i am going to take it to a little bit more of a meta 
physical aspect and also a, a practical one. Like the practical one is I'm not, I usually don't know what I'm doing when I go into a photo shoot. I like, I know a lot of artists, they I like to like, it's sketch out. Like, so like in the Marines, it's uh, improvise, adapt and overcome. You go in there and it's a clean slate. And now what can I do? Because you look at that situation, right? Right, right, yeah. right. And it's also like taking it into a metaphysical, like, uh, arena. It's kind of like I go in there not knowing what I'm going to do, but given like the situation, the environment, the people I'm with, I mean, it can either like flow really, really great. Um, because I'm in a headspace where I feel comfortable and I feel like this is going to be amazing. But if there's any kind of like hostility or if I feel like any kind of rush, then I just, I get all thumbs. And, you know, as much as I say, I've like learned over the years as a makeup artist, you know, I'm still bound to like make mistakes because we never stop learning as artists, you know? So, okay. So on that same note, when you encounter like a roadblock or some sort of, uh, Something that, that prevents you from doing what your original vision is. How, how do you end up overcoming that? Um, just trying to see, like, through the vision or through the physical, physicality of what's in front of me. Yeah. To see if there, like, if there's something that can fix the situation. Yeah. Um, if not, I mean, nine times out of ten, I'm going to be like, all right, let's scrub it. Let's, let's do something different. But, you know... Time constraints can sometimes prohibit that. So yes. just hope for the best. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, otherwise, I don't know. I I really just have to be feeling it. Like, <laughs> And this is, this is where we're so different because, so Jimmy always gives our... <sighs> you can call me Jimmy, it's fine. <laughs> I keep calling him. His name is Jimmy Pena. He goes by Ravenfire. I'm going to constantly fumble that one back and forth because... Well, Raven, New Pass, New... It's a, it's a chosen spiritual name. Yeah. Um, and I've known him for so many years as Jimmy, <laughs> so I'm going to keep flipping back and forth on that one. Anyways, I digress. So, we're so different in this one, and it's funny because Raven would always joke with me um, back when we first like got together that uh, I was so organized for a creative. He's, he's like, I can't believe that like you have everything lined out and you, you're like this, this is like as a creative, I'm just so used to creatives being so spacey and so ethereal and so just fly by the seat of the pants and living mm-hmm. in a messy environment because a messy environment promotes creativity. And for me, it does, but I love creating structure because then I have a box to think outside of. So when I come in and I do photo shoots and stuff, I've got a definite style of, or I should say, a method to my design, my method to my creativity, and that's, I come into a shoot, and I take a look at the big picture first. And when I say that, it's not just, like, ethereal, or it's not just figurative. I literally, I literally set my camera up with the widest lens that I have, and I shoot the big picture, the landscape, the sense of place. So I've got an idea of everything. And it also has a good plate for when I start. If I'm doing like a photo series, it gives other people a sense of place on where we're shooting or whatnot. Right. And then I step it into like a medium view and I shoot that. I pretty much shoot the exact same scene over again in a media view. And then I go down to a zoomed in view or a macro view and I shoot it again because I want to get the sense of place, my wide view. I want to get... Um, the action 
or the actual meat and potatoes of it. And that's my medium view. And then I want to get the details, and that's like my macro view of it. I mean, it's kind of the same thing. Mine's just more esoteric. Well, I mean... Yours is more practical. Yours is more physical. Oh, my God. Even... even that's just the start of it. You heard me talk about the neural photography <laughs> thing. I also, since I, I do shoot video and stills um, whenever I do shoots and stuff like that because mm-hmm. we're living in a multimedia generation and being a creative director, I've now figured that, or I figured out that you need to deliver more than just stills if you can. So I'll come in and throughout those, those three where you have the wide, the medium, the narrow, or the zoomed in or whatever, um, I'll, I'll shoot another set of three there too. So it's three on three, and it turns out being nine different shots where I shoot horizontal or landscape aspect radi- ratio, then I shoot portrait or vertical ratio, and then I also shoot a video clip too. So it's like bang, 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 all right, cool, got the wide done, that's bang, 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 got the medium done, that's bang, 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 got the zoomed in or the macro done. And it's it gives me the structure that I know I'm going to get something that's good enough to deliver. Mm -hmm. And I hope that in that um, process, I'll find a a little crystal seed of what I want to grow off of. And when I find that, I'll just start focusing in on that and shooting, shooting, shooting. So um, it becomes what it is. So, I mean, sometimes I'll come into it and I'll have a, a formed idea of what I want the vision to look like. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, like last night, I kind of knew what we were going to shoot last night, mm-hmm. but um, after we started getting into it, you just kind of let it blossom. <coughs> Excuse me. And, yeah, you just let it blossom and, and become what it is because mm-hmm. every shoot kind of takes on its own life. Mm-hmm. It becomes it. its own living, breathing, creative creature. <laughs> and I guess... I guess we could both say that we're, we're kind of like mothers in that way where we nurture it along, we let it do what it's going to do, but at the same time, we don't force it. Right. Because I feel like once it gets to a point where it becomes forced. <laughs> like, like last night also, we had the same, we had a problem last night where we had two separate shoots, two separate looks that we were doing, and the first look turned out phenomenal so awesome so absolutely insane and the second one was so similar to it that we were struggling to make it look different and we weren't able to make it look well we could have made it look different enough and i still think we should have just flipped the color gels either side kept the same color scheme because i would have brought it all together but anyways (laughs) i'm talking to you vaguely now and you guys will never ever (laughs) see this at least with my name attached to it but you guys will probably see it one day maybe with raven's uh, name attached to it and it looks phenomenal it absolutely so looks bad. phenomenal so if you see some phenomenal stuff there, there's a chance that it could be me <laughs> not always, more than likely you. not always but it could be <laughs> so anyways um but yeah when, when you force it it's kind of like uh tommy boy i'm like jojo the little circus boy <laughs> and i got my little pet here and i pet it and i stroke it and it's a bad little pet and then you just ah, you right. crush it because you're you're molding and trying to push too much onto it Mm -hmm. and that's what ended up happening last night yeah for sure and sometimes you just gotta kill your babies you know you just gotta say (laughs) it's it's not working the first half of the shoot worked and it was phenomenal the time we put into it definitely worked Mm -hmm. but yeah yeah, like the second yeah just and movie recording has automatically stopped so 
I don't know how long that movie recording was stopped for or the audio recording was stopped for, but we are back going again because I hit the 30-minute limit on the video. But we're back. <laughs> Anyways, we were talking about... Um, Forcing. Killing your babies. Yep. Yep. I don't think it was stopped for that long. So, yeah. That sounds so horrible, killing your babies. I mean, but it's kind of like your baby. Like, this is, like, your energy. This is your time. This is everything that you spend to create this vision, Mm -hmm. this baby, basically. And, you know, circumstances and situations and things happen where you're just kind of like, ah, I can't. This leads into a good topic, too, that we should definitely discuss. How do you deal with the disappointment? Because I know personally, the disappointment of a creation not coming to fruition or a shoot not, for me, a shoot not working out well, (laughs) you make up basically falling short of where your vision is. Because I know personally, I take it so personal and I internalize that to the nth degree. I mean, I think that's why photographers and videographers and different creatives and stuff like that, when stuff doesn't turn out the way it's supposed to or the way they want it to, it's such a, a blow to our self-esteem. So totally agree. Um, I definitely feel like in the moment, I'm my own worst enemy. Like I'm my own worst critic. Like, oh my God, what am I doing? It's kind of like a train wreck. You yeah. see a train wreck starting it's to totally happen. totally a train wreck. And, you know, in the moment, sure, I'm like super tough on myself. Um, thankfully, the model last night, I was like, it's just me. You know, the model's amazing. A really great friend of mine. And, uh, you know, she's like, it's just me. Like, don't worry. But like, you know, as creatives, we are very hard on ourselves because we already know what we are capable of. We weren't nice to the, well, I wasn't nice to the model last night because I was trying to push something else out of her. <laughs> she had something in her eyes, but it was. Yeah, it was, I was trying to get more emotion and we got a certain emotion to start and I wanted to do something different afterwards when I felt that we weren't going to be able to make it look and. I kind of feel bad because I do that intentionally. I told her afterwards, I'm, I'm like, I'm sorry the way I acted. I was really pushing to get um, some more anger out of you. So I was pushing, pushing, pushing through your frustration. And I could just tell that you're so tired that you weren't even willing to fight back on that one. Which, I mean, it would have looked amazing if I, if I would have gotten the actual anger out of her. But I think some of the pieces would have fallen off, though. Yes. <laughs> But then, and that's like, if you're a model listening to this, or if you're anyone else in the photo industry and you have a photographer that either is like really, really silent or really pushing your buttons, there's usually a reason for that, especially if they're a really good photographer or they're a professional photographer, because um, they know what they're trying to get. And if they don't get that, then um, they're going to try to push to get it. And they've, they've got a system that they're trying to work. So you just got to kind of rely on that. At least till the end of the shoot. Now, if they don't come and say they're sorry afterwards, or they don't explain what was going on, and they just leave you like that, then they're just a dick. And no one's going to want to work with them. No. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, that's the same with me. Like, when I get into a shoot and all of a sudden it... I know it's not working the way I want it to. Um, it becomes really, really hard on myself. And it does affect my concentration. The one thing that I've learned um, through many, many, many different things... Um, because I've done a whole bunch of other things. Like, I've coached taekwondo. I've coached uh, snowboarding. I've coached a lot of things. And I think one of the best things is, is that when I look at, uh, like, snowboarding, 
you never end on a bad trick or a failure or something like that. But at the same time, don't just keep pushing it over and over because you're going to get tired. And when you're tired, you're not performing at your best and you don't want to train your body to perform at that sub level. So in photo shoots and stuff, I'll come out and I'll be like, um, if I know it's not working, I'll just kill it. Because mm-hmm. I know it's not worth the time. It's not worth the effort. We should just kill it because I'll have to waste more time to edit the photos, to go through the photos, to try to figure out something, and it's just not going to work there. And right. if you know how to say no in this industry, it's almost as powerful as being able to do all the amazing creative stuff that we can do kind mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And like, you know, back, like what I was saying before, I totally beat myself up. Totally, totally, totally. Like, yeah. and like last night I was so like, oh my God, I hate the makeup. Oh my God, I hate it. I hate it. And I think I kind of, you know, I didn't want the model to think that it was anything that she was doing. It was just, it was not meant mm-hmm. to happen. And I think over the years being an artist, you know, sure it's going to sting in the moment and sure yeah. it might be disappointing in the moment. But ultimately, you just have to dust yourself off and keep on trucking because nobody's perfect. And especially in a... Keep on trucking. I was thinking, like, Billy is like, does it off. I'm thinking Dory (laughs) from Finding Nemo. You just got to keep on... I'm I'm a dad. I've got three kids. Or no, four kids. (laughs) Four kids, a wife, two dogs, a mortgage, a full-time job. Yeah, I I, I mean, so I I live on... um, on uh, Disney Television movies shows. now, <laughs> yes, Yo Gabba Gabba, different. Oh my gosh, just mm-hmm. I, I've got so many kids shows running. Baby Sharky, Baby Shark, <laughs> Baby Shark. Maybe bad for some people. I don't. It's it, it's white noise to me now. But yeah, <laughs> so I mean, yeah, disappointment's a difficult thing to deal with. But as mm-hmm. you as you get more experience, you kind of got to expect that failure is going to happen. Yep. And I think of it like this, you know. You got to fail because personally for me and the way I grow and expand, I've, you know, I've said this to you a bunch of times before, my vision of myself or my idol is me in 10 years. And I never really achieve that. There's a lot of other people that I follow and stuff like that, but I can't pattern myself after them because that would just be copying. So I look at where I want to be in 10 years and that's where I want to be. And I think that's where a lot of uh, creatives in general are really hard on themselves because your creative vision outpass or outpaces your creative ability. Mm-hmm. So basically, the way you see in your mind's eye what you want your creation to be like, it's very very difficult for us to make that um, come to fruition. Right. So we see it, and everyone else is like, "Oh my god, that's an amazing photo!" Or, "Oh my god, that's amazing makeup!" And you're like. Yeah, but I wanted to have a little bit more contrast going through it. I wanted to have, like, for you, I wanted to have a better gradient through the the color blends. I wanted to this, this, and this. And we see the stuff that people don't see. Mm-hmm. Like, when you do makeup, the girl sees it from her own point of view. So when she's looking at herself in the mirror, she sees that. But you get to see all the other stuff, like, from the sides and back and stuff and how it may not be where you want it to be. It's the right. same with me. Mm-hmm. The people that see the process or that see the end image, they don't see the process that went into it and all the failures that went along the way. Mm -hmm. But I think that's also where we got to keep ourselves um, 
that's how we can yeah keep ourselves trucking because we got to look at it from their eyes too well and like also like just to swing it kind of an opposite not an opposite direction but like so when you think when you mention that like creatives have like this vision in their mind of like you know being an entertainer for the years that i was Mm -hmm. my mind like anytime i heard a song i could always i never could actually enjoy it yeah just because in my mind's eye i was already performing it I had I had already planned a show. I had planned like lighting effects and strobe effects and like smoke effects and <laughs> stage and like coming up out of the stage and you know it's just like you know and the reality like you're not going to have all the lighting effects. You're not going to have all the smoke. You're not going to have everything that you want because again your mind outthinks your ability. Yeah and. That's always been the case for me. So, like, whew, I think throughout the years, he's I've getting just all worked up here. He's all out of breath now. It's <laughs> like I ran a marathon. Trying um, to think of these shows that are going on. Seriously, <laughs> now I'm just like all gassed out because like I wore myself out on stage in my. But mind. yeah, I like okay. So my latest uh, endeavor has been. Um, I know when I got out of the Marine Corps, I started doing these instant shoots and it was all about what could I do at a moment's notice, grab the camera, have it in the bag, have it in the car, get a model set up and do like a 15 minute shoot. No prep, no nothing. We come in, we shoot lifestyle the way it is, or we shoot a certain concept the way it is and just make it as minimal as possible. Mm -hmm. And there's something freeing about that. Like this camera that I'm recording on right now. Um, is definitely not what I would consider a professional level camera. It's a a prosumer. It's the Canon 60 Mark II, mm-hmm. but its limitations free me up because I can grab it at a moment's notice and I know how to work everything on it. And I can pull it out. And I can shoot a video or I can shoot stills or whatnot. Mm-hmm. And it's it's freeing in that aspect. Mm-hmm. Like, but isn't it also kind of limiting though? Limiting? Yeah. But it's working within those limitations that becomes interesting to me because once you get used to, like, I'm used to working with pro photo lights and Canon 1Ds and a a myriad of lenses and whatnot. Like, I think I have basically every EF lens that Canon makes, every L series of the Randling lens. I have every single one of those. I have a couple of Canon uh, 1D bodies. Um... I've worked with basically the the best of the best equipment, Mm -hmm. and it is great, but it's almost like you have too many options. Right. Where the creativity all of a sudden comes out of it. And that's where I feel like a lot of photographers nowadays are trained to be camera operators. They're not trained to be creatives. Like, if you go to school for photography, I think that it's just one of those... I, I, I think it's an actual hindrance because I didn't start going to school for, for uh, starting going to school for photography. I started working in the industry as an assistant. I was mm-hmm. rolling um, 120 film. I was rolling 70 millimeter film and Hasselblad backs and stuff like that. I was packing up equipment and everything, and I was making it so that the photographer that I was working for had everything set. And then I was right. observing what they were doing, but. I wasn't getting sucked into this is my ISO, my aperture, whatever that a lot of people get sucked into, especially when when you guys do um, when you guys research online, like how do I do this trick? How do I do this, this, this? You guys get focused so much. When I say you guys, I mean people listening out there. People get focused so much on 
the technical details of the photo shoot and they lose the that, humanity. Yeah, the human, the human element. Mm-hmm. And that's the biggest thing because both of us work with humans. Like, I do do some product photography, but most of my stuff has a human involved in it and there's some sort of human interaction and I want that to seem real. Right. But yeah. You want know, to have life through the f- uh, photo. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing like when you do your makeup and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You can go super abstract with it, but there's got to be something that tethers it. Right. Because it's on a face, and it's not like... I mean, when we do it in photos and stuff, it can be a work of art that way. Mm-hmm. But yours is a wearable work of art. Right. So, yep. like a wearable work of art, it has to have some sort of tie to humanity. Right, right. Yeah, like, for example, um, I there was a woman that I used to work with in Austin, Texas, and, you know, she had gotten her makeup done beautifully by other artists, and um, she was like, can you do my makeup? And I said, well, sure, like, I'd love to. Really mm-hmm. tall, statuesque, like, gorgeous girl. And she had another job at a nightclub as a, what do they call them? Hostess. Like, no, like, where they do, like, bottle, bottle service? Bottle girl. Yeah. And, uh, I just did this really, like, to me, it was a simple, like, abstract piece of art. Mm-hmm. It was just, like, cut crease, like a double cut crease. And, you know, it's just, like, what was trending at the time. She fell in love with it. She was like, this is the best look I've <laughs> ever had. And I was like, really? And she goes, no, it's so art. She goes, it's so artistic. It's not just beauty. Yeah. And that's what I love. Like, I love that I can create art that's wearable. And also art that people actually really enjoy that aren't, like, afraid to wear it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree with that one. Mm-hmm. So. Or, like, I would imagine for you, it's, like, a person seeing themselves in one of your photos that doesn't cringe when they see. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, my God, what was he I have, I have gotten that before, and I don't know how to. That's a difficult thing when you're dealing with customers and stuff. I don't like showing customers or um, whoever has hired me to do the shoot. If I can get away with not showing them the photos, I don't show them the photos because what you see raw out of the camera is not what I'm going to deliver. Like, I try to give them reality, but I everyone edits their photos. I want a little bit more contrast. I want a little bit more color. I want to enhance details someplace and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I don't want them to get a preconceived notion of what it's going to look like unless I have something that's really amazing in camera that I want to show them. I love those moments. It, 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 <laughs> it happens. And you're just like, oh, my God, and you have to turn the camera around and show them. Most of the time, I don't do that. Also, I feel like it's a little bit amateurish. I also don't champ my photos when I'm doing a shoot that often, which sometimes gets me into trouble because I've set up, I've had like settings and stuff like that all askew because I've actually spun a wheel on the back of the camera or something like that. And all of a sudden it's way overexposed or underexposed or something. And I haven't been chimping and checking and I lose like a quarter of the shoot. But it's like, for me, it's like, okay, well, it just wasn't meant to be. It may have seemed interesting. I didn't see the product, so I'm not really... I guess at a loss. Well, and I would tell you. Disappointed. I would tell you, right? Um, I would tell you though, like, I don't think it's amateurish. Like, if you have that one shot that you you've just taken, no, the one that's, like, shot so is amazing. It's when you're constantly doing it. You're constantly looking down at the camera, flipping through stuff. It it also breaks the photo shoot. 
Like right. when you're doing the photo shoot and you have a model in front of you, you don't want that connection to be broken because that's the biggest thing that I think as a photographer you need to do is make that connection with the model. Mm-hmm. Same thing with like a makeup artist too because they've got to trust you. So as you're talking to them, as you're working on their face, um, they've got to trust you. They've got to feel the confidence. They've got to feel the emotion mm-hmm. that they're going to portray and stuff like that. And it's your job almost like a uh, like a warm-up comic or... Right. An opening act, but at the mm-hmm. same time, you're still you're also kind of like a therapist too. Oh yeah, you're trying to you're trying to get For them sure. in there in their zone. <laughs> yeah, you ever run into that when you have someone in your chair and all of a sudden it's like you're a bartender and you're like, oh, I'll tell you tell you about my day. Yep, yep. Real quick story that happened to me at Fashion Week. I was lead makeup artist for Project Runway Night, and I had this model in my chair. And she was just all over the place, like crying, laughing, just. And I'm like, girl, what is wrong with you? And she was just like, you gotta get yourself together for real. And I was just like, what is wrong with you? And she was just like, my boyfriend just broke up with me, and and I don't know why. Like I'm a beautiful girl, and you know, just like you know, totally just beat up about it. And you know, at first I was very empathetic with her. I was like, oh, that sucks. You know, and she's talking to me, and I'm still, like, trying to, like, do the work. And she's just laying it all out to me. And then all of a sudden she stops. She's like, wait, do you smoke? Like, amidst tears, Mm -hmm. stopped. Do you smoke? And at the time I did. Yeah. Still currently kind of do, but trying to quit. Um, And I said, well, yeah. And she goes, ugh. Get away from me. Oh, my God. I can't believe. Oh, my. You know, she's just, like, totally freaked out. And I said, you know what? You can just eject yourself from this show because, like, you don't talk to me that way. Yeah. And it was just really funny because she was just laying into me, like, everything that he had done to her and stuff like that. Unloading. Yeah. And, you know, I feel makeup artists are therapists because, like, you have people who might be battling cancer or, you know, fighting a fight of their lives or... You know, they just want to make themselves feel really good oh, yeah. in the moment. And, you, you know. Gotta, you, you pull that beauty out of them that all of a sudden becomes the physical representation of their outward or their inward self. Yep. You know, you, you put that mask on them. That allows them to carry themselves through these difficult times in life and whatnot. Right. Yeah. Yep. And it's kind of, I mean, I, I, I've gotten that same feeling too. Like when I've done photo shoots, I've shown the girls uh, or the boys. Um, what they look like afterwards and like oh my god it's like you make me look so good it's like no i didn't i showed you what the world sees Mm -hmm. and yeah i love that feeling actually yep and uh i'm running out of coffee here so i think that's up oh yes all out of coffee (laughs) and my little puppy came up here like i said we're outside at my house filming this whole thing we've had my little puppy here run up into our shoot a whole bunch or our podcast a whole bunch but this is kind of what you guys can expect from these podcasts i guess and uh what's gonna be talking about creativity and stuff like that i hope you guys come back for more uh raven (laughs) raven say goodbye see everybody thanks for having uh, me ab positive ab positive that sounds like it could work Mm -hmm. but on that note it's a wrap